0: I do want to point out one other thing, though, before we kind of continue, which is for you to watch uh, over this next year, uh, Betsy Howden has done a remarkable job here. You know, we don't have stained glass uh, at this, um, well, we do have, I guess, over there, but not in this sanctuary. And so uh, and she has put one picture up there. I invite you after the service if you want to come, and, and it, it depicts kind of creation. And throughout this year, she will uh, kind of continue to put pictures over there and then uh, over there, and, and it will kind of continue this sense of the story uh, of, which we are, uh, of which we are a part. And so I, I invite and encourage you to come and, and to participate and to see that as well. Uh, as a kind of a snippet of the overall passage this morning, we're going to look at the, uh, at the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And this kind of comes in, obviously, uh, partway through or towards the end already of the initial creation story. The writer of Genesis says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude and on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because, it because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth and when they were created. That was my fault, Betsy. Let's continue. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... And when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living man be. Sisters and brothers in Christ, all of that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we do give you praise on this Sunday, on the first day of the week for your creation. And we pray, God, that this morning as we hear more from what you would have us to hear, that you would help the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight and in your sight alone. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So last week and last couple of weeks, we've mentioned a little bit of the reason why we are calling this roots, and the reason why we think this is important for us as a church body to kind of to go through this story, this next. Year. And a part of it, as we've already said, is just simply for the fact that it's important to kind of go back from time to time and to hear stories that you may have heard as a child and then perhaps have kind of forgotten about or, or never really allowed your understanding of the story to mature in any way. And that's a part of what we're going to do. Last Sunday, we also addressed the fact that it's important. Uh, If we don't want our children to to kind of be raised with a a deistic understanding of God, one of the things that we can do both for our biological children and our covenant children, all the children who are a part of ZPC here, is to talk to them about God. To talk to them about the scripture and about the difference that that God has made in in our lives. And so as we kind of are able to all talk this morning after this service and for the rest of the week about the creation story, the elementary school age children, the middle schoolers, the high schoolers will all be talking about these same stories. And so we have opportunity then to, to cultivate conversation around these important But of course, we could do that without using a children's Bible. In fact, there are lots of good curriculum that you can use that can kind of go through the Bible and then you can include the children. And so why use a children's Bible? Why use cartoons, basically, during this next year? Well, it's a good question. And I think that a part of the reason is, is that if we want to be, uh, as Jesus says, to to become like children in order to enter into the kingdom, then that means that we have to begin seeing things again through the lens of a child, right? Uh, Jesus didn't say that because children are innocent. Right? Right? As someone who already has, who has children, I can tell you children are not innocent even from a young age, right? I see you waving there. Yes, that's exactly right. We won. Uh, yeah, so uh, from, a, from a small age, it's clear that children have their own desires that aren't always best for the community. Amen? That they have to be taught that. So that's not why Jesus said this, I don't think. And yet there is something about our going back and beginning to see things through the eyes of a child. And so we are jumping into this. We are, I, we are forcing you if you keep coming, to see things through the eyes of children. And we think that that can continue to help our faith grow. I mentioned to you last Sunday, I've been kind of nostalgic of late, uh, and many of you have asked, and kindly so. Shaughnessy did start kindergarten, uh, our eldest, our five-year-old, on Tuesday, and she fared very well. Um, her mother and her younger sister did not fare all that well on that Tuesday. They were uh, quite distraught, really. But overall, they did, uh, they did really, uh, they did well. And so we were very excited about that. But of course, I've continued to think about this. I, I am a sentimental person. Now, now, Megan likes to call me a pack rat. Um, but I simply say I have a heart. And so I, I, I like to be able to kind of go back and, and, and think about things and trophies from, you know, when I was a kid or, or things, you know. I st- in fact, just this week, I found a little wristband from when Shaughnessy was, uh, was just born, you know, and one of those little wristbands. Uh, and so these have significance to me. And so as I was kind of continuing to, to look at those things and to think about those things, and as I was thinking about Genesis, I was, I was reminded of something that happened right before our eldest was born. It was a Monday um, before she was born the following Monday. And Megan had had a couple of complications. And so we went into the doctor and the doctor said, it's going to be a week. We're going to induce you in seven days. Next Monday, you are going to have a child. Well, of course, as you would imagine, all of a sudden then, if you've had a child, you know that you're those flurry of things that you're worried about, that you're trying to get done, especially before the first child, when you have no idea what you are doing. And so my mind that week was scattered. And, and then on top of all that, I was supposed to prepare a sermon. Well, I, I couldn't think of a sermon at all. I, I couldn't find a good one to download. And so, just kidding. And so, um, you guys are going to be Googling what I say from now on. Where is this? And so I decided finally, as all I could think about really, that whole week was the birth of my child. All I could think about then was creation. And so I decided on that Sunday, five years ago now, five years and three months or so, I decided to write a letter to my unborn child. And this is not something I normally do. I don't really like reading things, but I've decided even though it's a a wee bit lengthy, not too bad, I decided that I wanted to to read that letter to you this morning. It was written for May 17th of 2009, less than 24 hours really, before we'd go into the hospital. We didn't know whether she would be a boy or a girl. We decided not to find out. So I started it out thusly. Dear you, Let me begin by apologizing for using you as a part of my sermon today. Actually, let me go ahead and apologize right now for all the times I will use you as a part of my sermon in the future, which has certainly borne true. I will do my best to not embarrass you, and hopefully you will be a good sport just like your mom. I have to say it's been very hard to think about a sermon this week. The truth is, there's been a lot going on. Your mom and I have been doing our best to get everything ready for you. Cleaning your clothes, putting the last touches on your room, installing a car seat, watching a a DVD to see how we can get you to stop crying, talking on the phone to your grandparents, and having a nice dinner with your mom for what might be the last time for quite a while. Also, Of course, it really hasn't been all those things that have made it hard to write a sermon. What's really made it hard is the excitement of knowing that you are coming. What's really made it, uh, excuse me, as we sat at the doctor's office last Monday and he said that you'd be coming in one week, in seven days, all of a sudden things became very real. To think about everything changing in just seven days. think that in a week, that which had been thought about and hoped for and frightened of and imagined would finally be here. I knew that the beginning, the real beginning was about to, well, begin. And I am incredibly excited. I am excited to kiss what I'm sure will be your chubby cheeks, to see your first steps, to hear your first words. Remember, they say, dada is easier to say than mama. Mama. That's scientifically true. I am excited to go to your ball games and your concerts and get your report cards full of A's, right? I'm excited to travel different places with you to experience life together. I'm excited to teach you and to be taught by you. But most of all, I'm excited to simply be with you. I have waited for this for a long time. But it really just hit me this week how incredibly excited I am that you are coming. As I'm sure I've told you many, many times, we did a lot of work to prepare for you arriving on the scenes. With our friend, we have painted walls, we've torn out carpets, we've put in floorboards, we've torn out those boards. When we realized we had miscut them, we put them back in, we we tore them out again. When we realized we'd messed up again, you get the point. We have received clothes and blankets a mattress, and toys, and blankets, and a stroller, and gift cards, and more blankets. We did all of this, even though we had never seen you. Didn't know what your name was going to be. Didn't know if you would be a boy or a girl. Didn't know if we would like you or not. I'm sure we do. Didn't know if you'd be cute or not. How could you not? We did all of this preparation, received so much help from so many, simply because we were excited about you. And it is only after all that, and as we sit here merely hours away from when we will first lay our eyes on you that I realized that you have already begun to teach me something. What this whole waiting and preparing for you has helped me to see is that as many times as I have heard the story of the creation of this world, as many times as I've read and heard the first couple of chapters of Genesis, I have never seen this incredible story as the expectation story that it is. God was doing everything he could to prepare this world so that it would be just right for those humans so long ago, all the way up until you. Think about all that God did. He gave us the sun. He gave us the moon to be your nightlight. He separated the day, the dry land from the water, which gave us the great beaches where you will love to play. He made sure that we had all of our fruits and vegetables. Okay, you won't like that at first, but eventually you will. He made certain that there were different seasons so that you could smell flowers in the spring, play at the pool in the summer, jump in the leaves in the fall and build a great snowman in the winter. He put birds in the air so you could be pointed at, so grandma could point out to you what kind each is and animals in the water so your grandpa could go fishing. Then God decided it wasn't quite enough. And so he made sure we had animals on the ground and thank God he did. Otherwise, you wouldn't have JP, their little dog, whom I'm sure you will love to torture. Can you imagine a world without all of these things? Well, neither could God. And so he did all those things in preparation because he wanted to make sure that this world would be just right for us. And I have never appreciated as much as I do right now that when God created this world, he didn't do it in one fell swoop. Just as your room wasn't prepared in a flash, have I mentioned how much work we did on it. Neither did God just simply snap his fingers and in one day everything came in place. It took time. And as I imagine the scene anew, I see God getting more and more excited each day as the world slowly began to see to take shape. I see him getting louder and louder, not because he's angry, but because he could hardly contain himself with the joy that he knew was coming. In fact, I wonder now whether or not that's the reason he didn't rest until everything was finished just like your mother and I will be tonight, just as you will be the night before Christmas, God couldn't rest because he was too excited about what was coming. Too excited about these new people who would join him in this world. I think perhaps too many of us don't think about it like that. That God's creation of each one of us was never an accident. But was always intentional. That God's creation of each of us was never an accident, but was always intentional. And you can see that all around us if we but open our ears and eyes to the ways that He has prepared this earth for us. Sometimes your mommy and daddy, we get too busy. And we miss the signs that reveal how excited God is that we are here. My hope for you on this, the eve of your arrival, is that you will come to understand just how much you mean to God. That as you go out and explore this world as children are apt to do, that your excitement of what you discover, the leaping of a frog, the squirminess of a worm, will not only confirm to you how amazing and creative God is, but how incredibly excited God is that you are a part of this world. And I hope that your delight in all of these seemingly simple things will awaken all of us to that which surrounds us, speaking to God's enduring love, I thank God for you on this day and know that we both eagerly await your arrival. I love you, Dad. Now that there is one thing that I want you to remember from this creation story. It is that it has been created because God loves you. Because God is so excited about you being here that he could not stop until every animal that was supposed to be here was here until every blade of grass and every tree was planted. One of the things we talked about last week was the fact that we do not serve that deistic God. This is not like making the nursery and then leaving and caring not for your children. This is a God who has created and shaped this out of love and excitement for who you are. And as we go through the Bible this year, I want you to know that each story is a story built on this. And it is a story about God's unquenchable and unfathomable love for us. Whether it's talking about the call of Abraham, whether it's sending the Israelites out of Egypt, whether it's saving Daniel from the lion's den, whether it's Jesus being born in Bethlehem, whether it's Jesus performing miracles and healing a small girl or saving the likes of the greedy Zacchaeus or converting Saul into Paul. No matter what the story is, as we go through it, I want you to remember that each story in it, God is whispering and revealing his love for you. And while yes, there are certainly tons of stories in here that will tell us this is what God desires for us and this is how we can be disciples at the foundation of everything, before you can respond in any way, God loves you no matter what. And amidst our own imperfections, our own fears and shortcomings, what others may say or not say, I want you to know that God loves you. And if there is one message that we will hear again and again, it is God's excitement to be in your life and that you are with him. This week, or I should say these last few months, as we've tried to ask, well, how can we kick this, this series off? We've realized that what we wanted was something tangible, something that you could take and have with you so that you can always remember, no matter where we are this year, something that will remind you of the fact that from the very beginning of time, God has loved you. And we could have clearly just said, well, just go outside and look at the trees and, and look at nature, and surely that should do it. But, but if you're anything like me, you forget that. You get oblivious. Mostly what you see are, are asphalt and street and, and the person in front of you who won't turn right on red, Right? And we miss the trees and the birds, all of these things that God created. And when we miss those things, then we forget the fact of what God has done out of love for us. And so we decided that instead of that, what we would do is we would, we would give you all a piece of of clay. And the reason why is a couple of reasons. One is simply the fact that it's in the bedrock kind of, of, uh, of our land here. I mean, what would we do without the dirt and the soil with which we can walk? And so, and so you'll have a piece of clay that, that, that you can hold. And, and our encouragement would be for you to put it somewhere, to put it someplace where you will be able to see it each and every day. Now, of course, the other reason why we thought clay was a good idea is because God breathed life into dirt, into clay. And so it's a reminder also of the fact that that out of this have we been created out of love. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to come down or either come down or go to the back, and you're gonna you're gonna have a piece of clay that you can that you can rip off. Now, I wanna warn you, it's a little bit dirty. And I can make the analogy that we did it like that because life is dirty. But the fact is, it's just dirty. And so you need to be careful with it as you get it. It's not going to harm your clothing or anything. It's going to be kind of weird because you're going to be holding this clay and you're going to wonder, what do I do? It's going to be in your way as you, as you go out and you, you get a donut. Make sure you choose the right hand, right? And so it's going to get in your way. But I like that imagery because I want the clay to get in your way each and every day. Up from now until May, I want it to be placed someplace, someplace where you will be sure to see it and be sure to remember this story of how God created the world out of love for you. So, we're going to take a few minutes. There's going to be four of us up front here. There's going to be a couple in the back. And so I want you to come forward and our elders and staff are going to hand you that, or excuse me, you're going to grab the piece of clay from them. You can get a small piece. You can get a big piece. Don't take the whole block um, and, and, and take that home with you, okay? All right, let's do that now.